I forgot to mention this is the fourth Sunday of Lent dedicated to rejoicing. This is supposed to be a lighter color of violet, so this is rose. And that's, I'm, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But this is supposed to be a lighter color of, of violet as we get closer to Easter, so that's, that's this Sunday. This powerful story, these three characters, there's a lot beneath the surface of this and it helps to know a little bit of the background about inheritances and things then. Jesus, of course, he's got Pharisees that feel they've never, they've never deviated from the law. And of course, Jesus is spending all his time with people who have, couldn't care less about Judaism. And Jesus is pointing out that God is attracted to sin because he wants to heal them. And so it is the same with us. The further we seem to fall from him, the more he hangs around trying to get us to come back. So this, this younger son, basically, in, the, in, in Jewish society in those days, if you were to ask, uh, because there was an older son and a younger son, it would have been divided two-thirds older, one-third younger, and the younger one had rights to some of the estate if the father agreed to it. And so the younger son basically said to his father, I wish to, be, to disinherit you. I wish to have nothing more to do with you and the family and the family business. I wish to disinherit my, everything that I uh, received from you, except I want the money. It sounds like a, sounds like a, a fight over a will, doesn't it? Uh, and, you know, sometimes families will fight over the estate of somebody, but the, but the faith of the, of the parents is gone. And that's the valuable thing. But this, they, this, is a, this is partly a fight over money when you look at the older son and the younger one, the jealous older son. So this younger guy goes out, and you can see what's going to happen. Even if we've never heard this story, you know what's going to happen. It's like somebody that wins the lottery. You know the stories about where are they now 10 years after winning a lottery? So many of them said, I wish I had never won this money. They don't all say that. There's a danger in what this guy is going to do. He's not effectively mature enough to handle it. But the father lets him go. Now this, the father is really the star of this, of this drama. It should be called the prodigal father. Jesus didn't call it the prodigal son. as something was attached over the years to this story. The father, you know, he represents any parent or anyone that's been in this position that has to, they raise a child, the child becomes an adult, you have to watch them go off and make decisions that you know aren't going to turn out too good. Or you have a feeling this is not the way you ought to do this, but the child is no longer under their control. The parent being further along in life, higher in a, in a position of more vision, can see clearly what might happen. But the child has to go out and they have to make their own decisions. That's what life is all about. And so God the Father took a risk with all of us, his children, gave us freedom, and we can pull the wrong levers, and God is going to let us do that. Because we are in life, we are here precisely to learn, even if it means pulling the wrong lever and getting in a lot of trouble. This is a parable of all of us who've been given the gift of life and then go running away from what is good and valuable and true to the easy life that ends up with the pigs in the end. This is what happens to the younger son. He's very wealthy. He spends it freely. He leaves Judaism completely. And then when it's all over with, some disaster comes. He finds himself at the bottom of his life. 
he's eating with the pigs. Of course, that's symbolic of you couldn't get any lower than tending pigs or eating with them. It just, you, this is a symbol of the lowest of the low. He got as far away from his faith and God and his family as it was possible to fall from being a son of the family to being worse than a slave who couldn't even eat with the pigs. This is what happened to him. And it's right at that moment that he has a conversion. This is the moment of conversion. And it's not a complete conversion. He's not pure. He's, he, it, nowhere does it say, I love my father. I want to go home and be with the family again because I love them. He doesn't say that. He says, here I am eating with pigs, and my own p- father treats his servants better than this. I'm going to go home and play, and, and, and I'm going to ask to be made a servant. So, but it's the moment of conversion. And thank God, things got to that point, and he turned around. To us, the moment of conversion isn't always at the lowest point. Some people in addictions, for example, they often will get to a very low point and then something will happen and back you go. People that have come back to the faith often have this experience of the emptiness of what we've chosen without God, without my family, an estrangement that ends happily, uh, a life lived without God, no matter how much we acquire or lose. It's this, this great moment of loss that causes a turning in the middle of Lent. We're in the middle of Lent. Every time we turn back to God, we're this younger son who makes a repentance and comes back to his father, who is, by the way, waiting by the window. The father doesn't go chasing after this guy. He's got to make the first decision. The decision is the younger son's, but the father is watching. Look, when he's a long way off, the father catches sight of him. Is that not an accident? The father's been waiting for this moment, expecting it, hoping for it, looking out the window, ready for it, but he waits for the son to make an appearance. And when he does, he comes running out, but he lets the son say everything that he had intended to say. And again, it doesn't say, I love you and I missed you. Notice that. But the father, knowing knowing why the son has come back, because he's desperate, takes him back, back into the family, you're not going to be a slave. I want you back as my son. Many parents have experienced this. Only a parent can love some of these children that come and go. And you know that somebody loved you. You're welcome in somebody's house. And this is, God always welcomes us back. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love. The older son is a very unappealing character. I don't like him very much, do you? He's, 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 he comes in from his loyal service, and he sees what's going on. He's just boiling mad. He's out there. <coughs> he won't come in. This time, the father goes out to meet the older son. He doesn't wait. And the guy's basically saying, I've served you all my life, and what am I going to get out of it? You never gave me anything. This, guy, this guy's with prostitutes and, and eating with pigs, and you make him part of the family, and blah, blah, blah. He's jealous. Probably jealous is jealous. He's, and notice he says, your son. He doesn't say my brother. He says, your son. Uh, and the father says, your brother was dead. Aren't you glad to have him back alive? And the elder son probably is saying, not really. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, it, this is the essential problem in almost every family, isn't it, at this point? 
Haven't we all had these problems in our family? And yet, the older son prompts a valuable lesson about this. The younger son has lost his inheritance. Uh, he doesn't get it back. Uh, notice the older son, who is not a very appealing character at this moment, the father says, don't you realize the business belongs entirely to you? Don't you realize that you're the sole inheritor now? Don't you realize that you've shared everything with me by being with me always? That you have all these shared experiences that he will never have because he lost that? That time he lost cannot come back. That money he spent, he can make new money. Maybe he can become part of the business again. But that which he lost is lost. I've restored his status as a son. In other words, in, in, in spiritual terms, we receive eternal life back from our Father. We get to move into the house with him. We get to share a meal with him. We have all the benefits that come from our Lord's salvation. But what, what, he, what he missed was the time that he spent when he was away. However, I have a feeling that the younger son might appreciate his father just a little bit more than the one that never left. To have lost something and realize how valuable it was makes us even more eager when we come back to appreciate what we've lost. One cannot fully appreciate the gifts one has unless one is suddenly threatened with losing it. Think of a loved one we've lost. Um, I had it just for myself, I had a detached retina six or seven years ago. I got my eyesight back. I do appreciate it now. I didn't before that. And I think sometimes with Catholics, people who have been away appreciate the faith a lot more than those who never left. You know, they know what they lost. When they come back, they own it. You know, yeah, they lost some time, but they gained an insight into God, that God is waiting for us at every stage of life. There's no sin. He will not forgive. We come to reconciliation. Nobody throws a book at us just forgiveness. The consequences of sin do remain on earth. We can't undo what we did, but God forgives it. He forgets. He never brings it up again and restores our status as adopted children of God. It's a pretty good deal. We find ourselves in all three of these positions in life. It is life itself that Christ is trying to explain to us, but most of all, the Father who gives us the freedom to go out into the world and make choices. And the best choice we can make when we make a wrong one is that moment of truth when we, for whatever our reasons, we turn back to God and find him waiting at the window to accept us back.